a child has been born for us, a son given to us, authority rests upon his shoulders. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. You may be seated. I really got a hold of that incense. If you can't do it on Christmas Eve, Merry Christmas, a very blessed and Merry Christmas to all of you. I'm so glad to be worshiping with you and I'm so glad that you're here. It is so easy for us on the day like today especially to sort of remember this evening as a fairy tale or sort of romanticize this evening. A calm, starry night, everything's fine. A squishy, cute little baby Jesus that everybody loves. Not smelly shepherds, not smelly animals in a barn that doesn't smell, right? We think it doesn't smell in there. And God's love for all of us. How, how beautiful of a fairy tale that could be. And yet it's, it's not so in scripture. If we look carefully, it's not so sort of put together and done up. We might sing carols and enjoy, and you should. But when we look at scripture, we find something I think a little bit more realistic and about this holy night. And actually, I think it's good that it's even a little bit more realistic. If this was all sort of made up for our commercial season and for our joyful sort of moments at the end of the year, I think it would be very unlikely that some of the details we find in Scripture would be there. If this was sort of edited throughout history and given to us as a fairy tale, all tidied up, it would be a lot harder for someone like me to believe it than if Scripture could just kind of record what happened and speak for itself. Historically, friends, we believe this happened. And you could see it in these gritty details that we find in Scripture. It's unlikely, for instance, to have been told as the scandal of an unmarried virgin. If this didn't happen historically, I think we would have tidied that detail up at least. Or a poor family. God coming not as a king, but as an infant to a poor family, to a marginalized people. This is not how the story should go if we had edited these details. The story, in fact, is just really realistic and very human, sort of gritty with human detail. I know they are the holy family, but I promise you, I mean, I don't know. Well, someday I'll ask, but I guaranteed Mary and Joseph argued that night on their way traveling with a nine-month-old, a nine-month pregnant woman, right? No, no, I mean, of course they did. Imagine the stress and the uncertainty that Mary and Joseph endured on this night. It wasn't so tidied up for them. It wasn't so perfect and magical and sort of fairy tale. It was a special night, but not without complication. She's about to deliver a baby with a man who's not the father. They weren't traveling for vacation. Traffic on I-35 wasn't their biggest concern. They had to return to Joseph's hometown because the government told them they had to. Because they needed to count the population. Really? Nine months pregnant and the government's going to do this. Right? You can hear it, right? And when they arrive to this place where Joseph's family is supposed to be, where are they sleeping? Out back in the manger with the animals where she gives birth. You see how not put together this story is? This cannot be how Mary thought that this whole thing would go when the angel first came to her and said, you are going to give birth to the Messiah, the Christ. I don't know if she would have pictured this. 
when the angel gives news to her that her child would rescue the world, I doubt she was thinking she would be giving birth in a manger. And we know that Joseph struggled with this version of the story, the way things went, this way of becoming a dad. We know that this wasn't easy for him either. This lowly, very humble, first century family taking orders from an occupying power, an occupying empire, and somehow through all of this, trusting in God? This is the circumstance that God chose to enter into human story, the real human condition. In the mess, in the doubts, in the challenges and hardships, the toil, the real stuff of human life, this is the moment that our God chose to enter in. These details are not edited to make us believe some fairy tale. This is a historic account of the way God has entered into the world and made a home with us. Maybe a more interesting question, I think, isn't if this is, did this really happen? But maybe what kind of God chooses to make his home among the lowly, the unimportant, the meek, the brokenhearted? Notice that God did not arrive in palaces. That's how we would have written this story, as a powerful ruler, right? He did not arrive in a palace in fine clothes among the important people, super wealthy. No, our God chose to be with the lowly. Notice that God didn't arrive with a sense of self-superiority, although he could have. With armies and tanks and threats, political might, no. Our God chose to be with the lowly. God did not arrive as an adult, ready to defend and take back what was rightfully his. But he entrusted himself with the lowly as an infant. God's infinity dwindled to infancy, as the poet Gerard Manley Hopkins famously put it. This is the God who had every qualification and every reason to arrive at the top of society. To overthrow those powers that challenge him. To arrive with full prestige, with reputation. Don't you know who I am? He could have arrived like this. Even with all of his privileges as deity, friends. But all of this he set aside. Think of it. Why? Why would God set aside all of these things? To become one of us. To be near those at the bottom. To make his home forever with the least. No matter what the cost. He is the God of the lowly. Because... That is who he has come to rescue. This is the story of Christmas. What's harder for you to believe? That God entered the world as a human being? Or that God entering into the the life of the lowly means that his favor now rests upon you? What's harder to believe? That this actually happened? Or that God has come to make a home with you because he loves you? That his favor rests on us on this night. 
and all of our doubt, even the questions we entertain now, all of the troubles in our lives, all of the sadness that we bear and the grief, God enters into that situation and brings comfort to be closer to you than your own breath in your grief and to transform all of your sorrows into joy. Friends, this is why we, as the church, rejoice, why we throw a ridiculously looking party, why we put way too much incense on the coals, why we stay up way too late tonight celebrating. Friends, if you cannot rejoice tonight, you cannot rejoice on any night. It doesn't get better than this. Why? Because God has come to be with the lowly. He will overturn the proud, the empires, the self-righteous. He will undo violence and hatred. Yeah, the sin that tramples every human heart, he will unbind. He will release us from that captivity of sin. He came to the marginalized and the outcast and the shamed to include and embrace them as his own family, his beloved. He came to us to welcome us in. This day isn't about finding your way up to some God, but is the opposite. It's about our God, this God of the lowly, finding his way and making his home to us, to you. A child has been born for us. A son is given to us, to you. No longer do we have to walk in darkness. No longer do we have to carry around a sense of fake superiority over others. No longer do we have to have chests full of pride or control. No longer do we have to be lazy in our love of God or others. Because on this night, God has come to make his home with you. So friends, come, let us adore him. You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.